You are listening to The Marketing Funnel Show, episode number 27. Have you ever heard someone drop a cool money-making idea in a Facebook group, on a Facebook Live, in a webinar, on YouTube, somewhere like that, then try it out only to have it backfire in your own business? Why does it work so well for one business, but not for yours? We're diving into one listener's question today. Welcome to the Marketing Funnel Show. I'm your host, Michelle Evans, and this is the podcast for coaches, experts, and online business owners to learn how to go from simply surviving to sold out using the power of marketing funnels. All right, let's jump into today's show. Hey, hey, welcome to today's show. I'm so glad you tuned in for another great episode of the Marketing Funnel Show. Okay, today I wanted to start by thanking so many of you for jumping into iTunes to leave me a rating and review. You know that's how iTunes decides which shows to make viewable and which shows to hide away in the dungeon of doom, right? So a big shout out to all you who've taken a few minutes to jump in to iTunes and, you know, do just that. I wanted to take a minute and read just a few of the reviews before we jumped into today's show. So Virtual Chaos said, listening to you talk about and give advice on funnels and online business marketing feels like I'm having coffee with my business besties. I appreciate your honesty about your ups and downs, your down to earth nature, makes us feel like we're not alone in our entrepreneurial journey. Your marketing funnel expertise helps guide us to take the leap without falling on our faces over and over. Looking forward to listening to more episodes. Thank you so much. Mentally Strong said, love the content that Michelle provides. Incredibly helpful for entrepreneurs. I just subscribed and can't wait to listen to the next one. Awesome. And Angela Brown Ober says, this is such a great question. I too have binged chocolate in my yoga pants. How to get more business. Yay, Angela. I'm so glad I'm not alone. She goes on to say, your entertaining storytelling style will make this series a hit. High five. Thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate all of you for taking the time to leave a rating and review. And if you haven't had the chance to do it yet, just it just takes a couple minutes and it helps tremendously. And I'll try to be a lot better about shout outs and future shows. All right, let's jump on into today's topic because we're talking all about making that quick and easy sounding money and why it may not work for your business unless you've got a few key things in place. All right, so today I, uh, well, today's show, I should say, (laughs) not today, but earlier this month, I got a question from a listener named Monica, and she said, hey, Michelle, I listened to a different podcast recently about making some quick money with a really simple offer. I put together a quick offer based on what the speaker on that podcast said, and he said that it was a sure thing. So I put that offer out on social media, and I sent it to my list of over 2,300 people. I had 17 people sign up for my offer, which was okay because I made just over $5,083, but then I saw that it came at a really big cost. Over 15% or more than 350 people unsubscribed from my email list. 
And I paid a lot of money in Facebook ads. Plus it took me a lot of time to attract all those names to my email list. That got me to wondering, was it really worth losing that many people on my list? What did I do wrong? I followed exactly what the guy on the podcast said, and I sent a series of five emails for this sure thing offer. Side note, I'm not doing a lot of nurturing of my email list right now. I haven't started any weekly newsletter or anything like that, so I'm not sending out much free content um, to my email list, but I do offer a lot of free stuff in my Facebook group. Can you help me understand? Is it that is having that many unsubscribes typical? What do you see when you're selling to people? Thanks so much. Okay. First, I want to congratulate Monica on making over $5,000 in sales. That is awesome. And we should always feel good when someone trusts us enough to buy from us. So kudos Kudos to uh, Monica for that. Second, thank you so much for sharing the story because it's a great conversation for us to have about two different styles of marketing. So there's the churn and burn marketing style versus the create a community marketing funnel approach. And you're going to find people in both camps talking about successes and you need to know where I stand and why. You should also know that if you ask the same question of the guy that you heard on the podcast, you're going to get a really different answer. So you, as you know, a listener and a business owner and an entrepreneur, you are going to need to listen to what I say and see if it lands with you and your approach to business or not. Because there isn't a hard and fast right or wrong here. It's really about what makes sense for you and your style. But all of us, we all need to be intentional with the approach and the style we want to take with our business and with our marketing and how we cultivate our uh, communities. And you should know straight out of the gate that I do not like the churn and burn style of marketing, which is what this podcast uh, guest was talking about. Yes, it does work. But in my opinion, it only works for a short while. Then you have to go find new people because your audience, they get burned out. But also, it's not my style at all. So let me tell you briefly about what I call the churn and burn style of marketing. And, and here's how that style goes. You go out there and you gather as many names, as many prospects as you can. And then you turn around and you sell to them as often as possible. And I'd say that well-known companies like Groupon, Zulily, Gilt, these are classic examples of what I'd call churn and burn style of marketing. And these are fine companies. Like there's nothing wrong with these companies. It's just not my style. And yes, there are a lot of people in the online marketing world who are absolutely churn and burn style. I'm just choosing not to name names right now. And yes, some of them are pretty darn successful. The model, you know, it goes like this. You focus all your efforts on getting people to opt into your list and then you sell. You sell your offers, you sell other people's offers, but basically your whole goal is to just add as many names as possible to your email list and then you just sell, 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 sell. Their whole model is about constantly adding people to their list and constantly finding the latest, greatest, hottest, 
coolest, trendiest, whatever offers to entice people to buy, 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 buy now. Um, and a lot of times it's on discounts or um, massive urgency because like it's the latest, greatest, hottest thing. And it's just not my style. I don't like it. It doesn't fit with who I am. It's fast. It's high stakes. And to me, it feels like a gamble every day. And you know what? I actually had a front row seat to that business years ago when I worked at a dot-com startup. They did some seriously shady stuff before I got there. And when I got there to head up marketing, I um, <laughs> like I had my eyes open to some seriously shady like 2005, 2006 kind of marketing stuff. And I put a stop to that shady business because I was not gonna be associated with that. And we started to do some pretty cool stuff that I would say was some early days marketing funnels, like back in really early 2006. And and we didn't even call it marketing funnels back then. I was just like, I am not gonna do this shady stuff that you guys were doing. And suddenly, by switching from the churn and burn style to the more nurturing style, which I would say, which I would categorize as marketing funnels, suddenly we didn't have to add as many new prospects every day because we weren't losing as many people on the backside. So in the churn and burn style of marketing, what I found and what I'm sure a lot of people find is just what Monica found is that yeah, you're gonna jam people in the front door, but your back door is open too, and you're losing people almost as fast as you're bringing them in. So it's just like this, I don't know, almost feels like this sinking ship, like you're trying to bring people in as fast as you can because on the back side they're running out the back door, right? And I was just like, okay, time out. We've got to stop this craziness. Um, and you know, like at the dot com I was at way back in, 2005, 2006, some of the shady stuff they were doing were stuff like buying email lists and just like spamming the heck out of those email lists. Like that is not a good practice. I never, ever, ever recommend that anybody do that. It's actually pretty illegal to do that now. So I would never, never recommend doing that now. But even back then, before it was, you know, quote unquote, illegal, I just had this gut feel like that is not how you build relationships with potential clients. You don't buy their email list and just start spamming them with stuff, right? It didn't feel right to me. And and so um so I started doing, you know, what I would call now marketing funnels. Back then, I just was calling them campaigns. Um and suddenly by doing these things we didn't need to add as many new prospects each day because suddenly our sales team was able to close a lot more sales. And suddenly we had people that were proactively coming to us and signing up because they were interested in what we were doing. Suddenly we had something that was actually interesting to our target audience. And my results um, from the marketing side were much, much better than what the churn and burn style had been. And, and my sales team loved me because, you know, they were like, oh my gosh, these people actually want to talk to us. They're, they're, you know, ponying up money and they're buying and this is awesome. And that was when I really got to see firsthand the two styles at work. And since then, like I've never ever been a fan of the churn and burn style, but 
But I've seen people who've who've built businesses like that. And you should just know that, you know, from my own personal uh, perspective, I guess, I, I could never build a business like that just because it doesn't suit me. And it's not that I don't like making sales. I definitely do. I'm, I'm all about making sales. I mean, you don't have a business if you don't make sales. But I want to make sales at the right time. I want to make sales to the right people. And I want to make sales that are a win-win for both sides. And I want to make sales after I've created rapport, delivered value, and warmed my audience up so they know why they need to buy what I'm selling. This is a much more disciplined approach to marketing your business and building a business. That's why I have such a focus on marketing funnels and really why I'm so intentional or intentional about warming people up. Because it makes a huge, huge difference when you get to the sales part. You're not having to like force the conversation. The conversation is really natural. So let me break down three things that went wrong for your for your email audience with this offer and something that I'd recommend instead in your case. And Monica, this is not a diss on you because I've done it in the past too. I mean, I think probably everybody has. We hear something really cool and we think, oh, I could totally try that in my business without understanding, you know, all the things that go into it. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to listen to a podcast or a webinar or, you know, some read a blog post or whatever and think, yeah, I could totally do that without thinking about how our business is different from the speaker's business or, or maybe even that the speaker may not be giving us the full backstory of everything that they've done to warm up the audience. And the speaker may not even be like purposely trying to hide stuff. They may just not be thinking about how much work they did to lay the groundwork to get their audience ready too. So in any case, here are the three things that went wrong. So number one is that you really needed to give your email list some free love. So you were doing a good job with your Facebook group, but your email list, they were kind of like hanging out there in the cold, right? So Monica told me in the email that she wasn't doing much in the way of communicating with her email list, if at all. So she was probably pretty much a inbox stranger to most of them. But Monica said she was creating a lot of good stuff for her Facebook group. So here's what I would have done. I would have taken the posts that were most relevant in her Facebook group and packaged those up into emails and to start sending those out to your email list just to engage them. If you ha- and, and maybe even just invite them to your, to your um, Facebook group. And if you had videos from your Facebook group, awesome host them on YouTube, get your peeps to sign up, um, uh, get your peeps on your email list warmed up and engaged, let them see your videos, you know, however you had your content in your Facebook group, get it into the inbox um, for your email subscribers. Remind them who you are. Get them to know that you send them, um, you know, more than just sales emails. Help them to see you as, a leader as um, a person who delivers value in addition to has things to um, sell. And the good news is that Monica had a bunch of content she could pull from. If you don't have content you could pull from, figure out how you could easily create like three to five emails or videos or audios or something 
to warm your people up, to start re-engaging them into who you are. It is so critical. And if you missed um, my series, um, I think it's numbers, uh, podcast numbers 16, 17, 18, and 19, where I go through the Facebook strategy and I talk about how to do warm-up content in episode number 17, go back to that episode because it is so mission critical to do warm-up content. I can't even tell you. Every time I've seen clients um, who've come to me afterwards and have said, help me fix, <laughs> help me fix my marketing funnel or help me fix my Facebook ads, whenever things are going wrong, it's because they did not do enough warm-up content, or if any. Um, because people a lot of times just want to skip this. They just want to get straight to the sales and it just doesn't work, especially now. People need to be warmed up. They need to feel like they can trust you. And this is a big part of creating that trust. All right. So that's number one. Number two is get them to feel all the fields. So step number two is about a fancy term called availability bias or as I often call it, the jackpot syndrome. Uh, So ask yourself or think to yourself, have you ever been tempted even for the teeniest of seconds to buy a lottery ticket? I mean, you've probably heard the lottery stories, right? Some guy on his way home from work, a thankless job that he's been at for like 25 years, stops by the gas station, you know, 30 minutes before the lottery is taken and he sees that it's, I don't know, $500 million jackpot, he decides to plunk down $5. And, you know, miracle of miracles, he wins and he is set for life. I mean, we have all heard these stories, right? You know why? We love these stories. They give us hope. They give us the feels. (laughs) They tell us that someone like us has won and maybe we can too. And for the teeniest of moments, we dream a little dream of what if. And that hope, that dream, that desire, that emotion, that is what gets us to buy a lottery ticket. Because I got to be honest with you, my friend, if people really logically understood their chances of winning the lottery, they would never, ever part with even a single dollar to buy a ticket. Yet I challenge you to find someone who has never fantasized about winning the lottery or some jackpot, even for the briefest of moments. I mean, your wildest dreams come suddenly true, right? The house, the cars, travel, whatever. Heck, if you won the $500 million jackpot, you could buy a whole fleet of airplanes and, you know, private uh, pilots and, you know, whatever you wanted, right? And we hook our emotional responses and our decision-making on those possibilities. Because in reality, the odds of choosing six numbers from 49 possibilities are astronomically teensy tiny, like one in almost 14 million. I mean, the odds of being struck by lightning are one in 3,000. So you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning by like what? five or six times on your way to buy a lottery ticket than you do of actually picking the winning lottery numbers. And you know what? That is why you see tantalizing, hooky headlines 
for state lotteries like the Oregon lottery, they say it does good things. The Illinois lottery, anything's possible. The New Jersey lottery says give your dreams a chance. The California lottery, imagine what a buck could do. The Kentucky lottery, somebody's gotta win, might as well be you. Okay, these are super hooky. They're hooking into your feels, right? Lottery organizers know that they need to keep the stories, the emotions, the dreams, the possibilities in front of you and I so that we will want to go buy a ticket. So here's the important thing to remember about availability bias and why it matters to your marketing funnel. As humans, we are notorious for misremembering actual facts, like the odds of winning the lottery. But we love to hear, we love to read, we love to repeat and embellish stories and then take action on those stories that tap into our feels, our emotions, the possibilities, the what ifs. So in your marketing, take advantage of this. It's human nature. When you think about availability bias or if it's easier, you know, what I like to call the jackpot syndrome, help your audience remember stories. Help them remember emotions. Help them remember big events that impacted them. Now, you're not selling lottery tickets. So you've got to get them into the stories in the emotions that are about what you are selling. So before ever asking someone to buy something from you, get them to tap into a vivid memory, a vivid emotion, a time in the past when they, or maybe someone they knew, truly could have used your product or service to avoid a pain in their life to, you know, gain some, I mean, people will do a lot to avoid a pain. They will do some to, um, you know, for a dream, but they will do a lot to avoid a pain or a lot to avoid losing out on something, right? Get them to think about how your product, your program, your service would have saved them time, money, headache, effort, you name it. Get them into the feeling of how buying now will save them from that situation in the future. Use this idea of the jackpot syndrome in your warm-up content with your email audience, even with your social media audience. I mean, let's just be honest. Your audience is your audience. And you are going to be amazed at the results. It is so mission critical to do this. I cannot like (laughs) overemphasize and put a bow on this enough. This is really critical to your marketing uh, funnel. And honestly, in Build Your Funnel Bootcamp, this is why I put together the Funnel Persuasion Playbook is because understanding this about your audience, understanding how to get into their brains and do this is so important. All right, so that's number two. So number three is you've got to hook them. And when we get into step number three, you've got to hook them with curiosity. You've got to tap into that curiosity. You've got to get them to pay attention. And then once you have hooked them, you've got to reverse their risk with a rock solid guarantee. Remember, you know, for Monica, these people, for the most part, didn't know her. So they didn't really trust her. 
That means that even for a low cost offer, Monica really needed to make sure that she's got a guarantee that speaks to her audience's fear about buying from her because she's an unknown to them. And you know, the same is probably true for you and me. Now, as you're thinking about guarantees for your own offers, I want you to ask yourself three big questions. So the three questions are this. Number one, what are the biggest worries that your best clients have about buying a product program or service like yours? Number two, how do you address those worries head on so your best clients feel like buying your offer is less risky than not buying your offer? And number three, how do you build trust with your audience with a solid guarantee? So there are a few approaches and your guarantee is gonna depend on how you answer those three questions I just asked. So let's quickly talk about a couple examples to get your guarantee ideas flowing for your business. So idea number one is, you know, the standard full money back guarantee. Uh, You see this guarantee a lot with online programs and products, and basically it's a buy it, try it. If you don't like it, return it. In fact, the money back guarantee is so widely used that for many of us, it's no longer really even a benefit. It's more table stakes. Your buyer will assume that they have this right. If you decide to go with this full money back guarantee, try to figure out how you could put your own little twist on it so the guarantee stands out a bit and helps showcase more than just the standard, ho-hum, seen it before guarantee. The nice thing about this is that it gets the fence sitters to go from, hmm, I'll think about it to, ooh, what do I have to lose? I'm gonna try that. Now, idea number two is a satisfaction guarantee, and this is a potential for people who do more creative or time-based kind of work, where you have a lot of resources invested upfront in design or creating something for your client, the satisfaction guarantee gives them peace of mind of knowing that if they don't like what you've created, they get another chance to keep working with you to get it right. And I know like for web designers, for uh, graphic designers, for writers, sometimes this can really help your clients get past that, "Mm, I'm not sure if I can trust you with this, especially for bigger projects, right? Idea number three is a free trial. So if you have like a membership program, a product or a service that people can try before they fully commit to buy, you could test out the whole idea of a free trial or maybe a low cost uh, trial, like a dollar or something, um, which could you know be a really good bet for moving people who are fence sitters into, um, into being a customer. And then idea number four is uh, the Zappos guarantee. So if you've ever purchased shoes or clothing online, you know it can be a super hit or miss crapshoot. And Zappos knows that, that too, which is why they have their completely insane guarantee. They have free shipping, free returns, and free 365 day return policy. Now, I will say they're not the cheapest out there. Like you can find things cheaper than on Zappos, but, they make it so easy to buy from them. They've taken all the friction and worry away from buying anything online from their customers. And they've made it so easy to buy it and return it. So if you've got a product that your customers need to get their hands on to test, to wear, to play with, before they you know, decide that they're totally in love with it and you're selling online, 
you could think about taking a page out of Zappos' book. They've developed a crazy loyal customer base because of that guarantee. So there are many, many ways to use guarantees to take the risk out of buying your product, program, or service. These are just a few that I shared with you today. Guarantees are great because they show your audience that you have that you believe in your product, program, or service enough to have some skin in the game, and it helps overcome resistance about taking that next step and and buying from you and trusting you. So whatever guarantee you craft, make sure it speaks to the fears and reservations your audience has and the ultimate offer in that you're you know giving and hopefully in your marketing funnel. You're gonna be amazed at the results that a really good, well-crafted guarantee will deliver. Now, I'm not saying you won't get any unsubscribes when you follow these three steps, but Monica and anyone else listening about thinking about selling to your audience for the first time, when you take this approach that we talked about today, it's a lot different than just kind of throwing out five sales emails at your cold list and then hoping that people buy. All right. Hopefully this helps you to start thinking about creating a marketing funnel that converts your own audience. As we just talked about a super simple way to create a one-time offer funnel today. So if you want to create a more sustainable marketing funnel for your business that could bring sales in each week, I've created a totally free and easy quiz to help you figure that out. Head on over to today's show notes at themarketingfunnelshow.com forward slash 27. And in less than five minutes, you will know exactly which funnel is right for you. All right. Now stick with me next week because I have a super special guest that's going to be on and you are not going to want to miss this interview. It is so, so good. All right. I'll see you then. 